Hey there, restaurant pros. It's Dave Scott Peters, and welcome to episode 71 of the Restaurant Prosperity Formula. I've been coaching restaurant owners since 2003, and the Restaurant Prosperity Formula is based on what the most successful restaurant owners I've worked with do on a daily basis to achieve their success. The basic premise of the formula centers around achieving prosperity, freedom for your restaurant, and the financial freedom you deserve. To achieve prosperity, you have to follow a very specific formula made up of leadership, systems, training, accountability, and taking action. Now, I want to tell you about our guest today. Avery Ward is the CEO of Little Italy Pizza in Groveport, Ohio. You may recognize his name because he was my guest in episode 59. Since that episode, he's experienced explosive growth from moving his location to a newer, bigger location. Listen in as we talk about how his new location created new staffing challenges because his sales literally jumped overnight 140%. Avery will share with you how he found success with group interviewing and how your vision for your company, a great company culture, and being an employer of choice is integral of making a group interviewing process work. I wanna welcome Avery Ward to the show today. But first, a word from our sponsor. We all know managing costs is one of the most important parts of running a profitable restaurant, especially now. But between fluctuating vendor prices, waste, labor, and the never-ending list of tasks that demand your attention on a daily basis, it can be challenging for even the most experienced of us to manage costs well. That's where Margin Edge comes in. Margin Edge is a complete restaurant management software that automatically uses data from your POS and invoices to show you food and labor costs in real time. Don't wait until it's too late. Margin Edge gives you tools to make decisions in the moment, like a daily P&L, price alerts on key ingredients, and real-time plate costs, all without ever having to touch a spreadsheet. Take control of your costs, work more efficiently, and be more profitable. Go to www.marginedge.com forward slash DSP to learn more and schedule your demo today. Avery, I'm so glad that you're willing to jump on here again with me. Uh, for many who have uh, gone through my podcast, gone down that rabbit hole of the Restaurant Prosperity Formula podcast, uh, they've met you in episode 59. But do me a favor, for those who have not listened all the way through, tell people a little bit about your background and your restaurant. Yeah, so my name is Avery Ward, owner, operator, CEO of uh, Little Italy Ristorante in Groveport, Ohio. Um, family owned and operated business, which started in 1979 um, as a pizza place. Uh, before that, in the early 60s, my grandparents uh, purchased a grocery store called Smith's Market and turned it into Chuck's Little Giant. Uh, my grandpa always had the dream of owning his own grocery store. And so they uh, went out on that dream and took out an $18,000 loan the same day after a four hour conversation with the uh, owner of that Smith Market. Same day, took out a loan and, and purchased it. And so that was kind of the start of my family's uh, venture in the, uh, the business world. Uh, they operated the grocery store for about 18 years and then uh, turned it into a pizza place in, like I said, 1979. My dad operated that for a little less than 40 years. Um, I took over from him about four years ago and um, came back with the, the dream of um, growing this into something that I knew that it could be. Uh, my dad was very much so into the hospitality business, sometimes to his own uh, default or defeat that he would uh, give, give, give so much. He was a huge giver um, to where sometimes it uh, impacted him financially and you know they had a hard time paying their bills. Um, so 
I, uh, when I was 16, I went out, out of the family business, literally grew up inside the restaurant making pizzas as a kid. Uh, when I was 16, I went and uh, worked for Apple for about five and a half years. It was my dream job. Dream company, loved their mission and what they were doing uh, in the technology space and um, had a huge passion for technology when I was growing up. Kind of everything that I was doing, anything I did, I, I always figured out how I could integrate technology into that in some way, shape or form. So like, I remember being in like uh, seventh or eighth grade when the iPad came out and um, worked in the restaurant literally all summer, bought my first iPad and took it to school. And all the teachers are like, no, you can't have this. I was like, no, no, no. Like, you don't understand. Like, I want to take notes this way. Like, you guys make us take notes. I want to do it on the iPad. Like, and, and so see, I was lucky enough that a lot of my teachers let me do that. It's, you know, kind of, Back then, it was like unheard of other than like business people to have that kind of technology. Um, but it's just kind of who I am. I love love technology. So I uh, came back to the restaurant business after working for Apple Retail um, for a little bit to kind of have the goal of making this something bigger than what it was, but also integrating technology in that process to ensure the customer experience from start to finish is a smooth one. Right. Um, but also the employee experience when they come to work, that technology is a integral part of our operation. So from the time they clock in to how they prepare pack orders and everything, technology has a good impact throughout that process. Um, so that was kind of my goal. Um, in 2018, came back to the business. Um, like I said, my dad, uh, kind of sometimes to his own defeat, uh, was a giver very much so and so put a lot of systems in place to ensure that you know the profit of the restaurant um is definitely there and and a part of mine at all times um to ensure that you know we're not doing this for no reason although we like definitely care about our community want to take care of our community and our customers and our employees um at the same time we're not in this business for free so you know that was a big part of of me coming back is to get everything in line to where we were making money and we could do it the right way. Um, so with that in mind, we um, grew pretty quickly. Um, consistency is a big thing for me. So I uh, came back immediately started working on our consistency of, of all of our products across the board. My dad and grandma believe very much so. And like not following recipes, it's just kind of following your heart and, and taste along the way. Um, you know, I always say that my grandma's food was so good because it was filled with so much of her saliva, you know, constantly tasting this and that. Of course, in the restaurant, that didn't happen, but, um, you know, at, at her house, for sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, getting systems in place for consistency with recipes so employees can do the same thing time after time again and customers get the same result. Um, and then uh, focused on our growth through marketing um, and, and quality customer service. When they come in the door, they're taken care of every time they walk in our door. Um, so that's a little bit about um, kind of my background. Um, and then where we were, we were in a uh, building. It was uh, about 2,000 square feet was the, the size of our store and grocery store. And we quickly outgrew that. Um, in the three and a half years, uh, we literally would go on Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, a wait list uh, after five o'clock to line out the door to come into the restaurant, not only to be seated, but also to pick up their orders. Uh, we only had 12 parking spots in our parking lot. So it was wow. quite a small 
uh, parking lot, but we had a public parking lot like adjacent to our property. So a lot of customers would park in that and then walk across the, the street. And uh, so we quickly outgrew our operation uh, with the amount of sales that we've seen. Uh, we doubled the business the first year and then pretty much almost kind of doubled that again, if not a little, almost tripled that uh, and then doubled that number again and then doubled that number again. And so, you know, from uh, where we started, um, less than a $500,000 a year business, 550, 600, something like that, um, to where we are now, you know, at the end of our old location. So we just moved out of our old location into our new store that we had constructed. Um, like I said, our old store was 2000 square feet. It was like 1998 and our new store is uh, 5,200 square feet. So we almost tripled our location size. Um, our kitchen and our new restaurant is the size of our building, our whole old building. It fits right. inside of our kitchen plus 270 something square feet. So um, a, definitely a huge upgrade for us. Um, and that's come with a lot of challenges and learning opportunities um, to, to learn how to support that quick of growth. When we opened up at our new store, um, we almost, well, we did double, almost kind of 140% of our sales from our yeah. own location. Um, so, so that was a very quick growth learning opportunity of how do we support that? And I want to talk about that. So the size of the, the other building, how many seats did you have in the original building? The one you just moved from? Uh, 62. 62. And where do you, how many seats do you have now? So we translate that. 160 um, okay. with 40 of that being outdoor. And you so had 120 during. You had bar, but you didn't, you made a full bar in this one. So it is really kind of a neighborhood location. People can actually come, not just get alcohol, but they can be a part of the bar. And you've added yeah. an ice cream shop along the side of it. Yeah. So we are at the intersection, the main intersection in town now. Um, there is a stoplight right in front of our building on both sides that people park, you know, and wait for that light and stare right into our venue. So we've got windows down the whole front, the side. It is uh, definitely the community gathering space for sure. Um, we did not have a bar. We had beer and wine. Uh, we only had three taps of, of beer and some bottles um, and wine. Uh, but it was, as you know, less than 1% of our sales. It was very, right. very small. Right. 985 to 99% of our sales was food. And so in the new location, we, we added a full service bar, uh, full liquor menu, cocktail menu, um, with a really heavy focus on Italian inspired cocktails to complement our dishes really well. Yep. Um, and then a really nice wine selection. Um, and then, yeah, we, we have a dedicated pickup entrance off of uh, the side of the building and which is right off the back of the kitchen. Customers can park on the side of the building in dedicated spots, come right in those dedicated doors, uh, and get in and out service to not have to go through the dining room and travel through all the customers eating. Um, to get in and out really quick, but also it's really efficient for our kitchen because it's right off the back of the kitchen. And so over there, it's right on Main Street. And so we uh, put a hand-dipped ice cream shop out there. So there's 20 different flavors of hand-dipped ice cream uh, that we have on hand for, for that area. And so it's a major change from this what I would call a mom and pop kind of operation in the 60 seats. And you were always busy, you know, and, and when you came back, as you talked about doubling sales and doubling sales again, you were bursting at the seams. Like there was, 
incredible reviews. I've seen the social media posts. I've seen the videos people have posted. Like your food is outrageous. The hospitality is fantastic. Like you were already doing Restaurant 101 really well, but as you wanted to do, you wanted to grow your company, you, you took a risk and said, I'm gonna move to this bigger space, add a bar, add a to-go side, add a an ice cream shop. And then and with that, you built your kitchen to handle uh, like years down the road growth, but you got that growth right away. You had 140% growth. So talk about some of the challenges of what it felt like to, to basically move a restaurant, but almost reopen. It, it, it wasn't as yeah. smooth as you want to say, Hey, we're just going down the street and moving some equipment or whatever. It was like a brand new place. Talk about some of those challenges. Yeah. Well, um, first off, you know, I took your advice of opening up a new restaurant of, uh, you, you told me to do several planned soft opening nights where you invite specific people in and it's kind of a very dry run. Right. I was expecting these nights to absolutely burn down in hell and <laughs> they were everything but that they were so smooth. My staff did such an amazing job. Um, that first, we closed down for a week uh, of no business at all. Um, for the first three days, we trained, 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 trained. We trained till our wheels fell off. And um, the fourth night it was on Wednesday. We did a vendors VIP night, so we invited all of our vendors in, construction workers, anybody that's really ever helped us out over the years for anything. Um, we invited them in as like a buffet, all you can eat, kind of just come check out our space, hang out kind of night. It went right. so perfectly. The kitchen was, they did such a great job. Um, couldn't be any more prouder of the team that we hired on and how quickly they learned. I mean, we, for this project, we hired 26 people and I thought that was going to be more than enough. Um, we came over with a team of 40. So we had tw uh, 66 people on our team when we opened up the doors here. And, and like I said, I thought that was going to be more than enough. We, we had the new role of host. So we hired for that. We had the new role of bar. So we hired right. for that. Um, we needed additional people to work the pickup counter and ice cream shop. Cause it's more than just, Hey, go grab the register. No, it's, it's somebody answering the phone all the time now, giving people their pickup orders and dealing with all the hand dipped ice cream volume. And we haven't even started doing like milkshakes or anything like that yet. Um, and so, you know, I thought we had more than enough. And so those first, the first vendor night went great. Everybody did excellent. Dishes were coming out amazing. Communication was fire. It was great. Second night, friends and family night. It was my personal friends and family night. Same, same way. It was a very planned reservation. Everybody had a specific time they were allowed to come in. Yep. And it was very on purpose not to overload it, but to be a little more difficult than the night before. And it was perfect. I mean, on all accounts, it ran so smooth. Then we did a friends and family night for our employees. They got to invite their friends and family. And then we also invited our VIP customers and it basically doubled the uh, amount of reservations that we had the night before on my night. Again, perfection. I mean, it, it really blew me away in those three nights of how well things went. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, our training was fantastic. Like we were so ready for the public. We opened on Super Bowl Sunday. Perfection. I thought it was going to be an absolute shit show. I thought it was going to be like a just light the fire, choosing Super Bowl Sunday, the worst day to possibly open. It went yep. great. And I think everybody was scared to come in because they thought it was going to be crazy. Monday happened and we got fucking nailed. <laughs> and Monday onward for the next, well, to date, uh, it's been like 
this. It, it, every day there's a line to get in the door. Wow. People try and get in here. It's been crazy. And so from those planned nights, you know, the first day of opening the public, we turned on our takeout operation and delivery operation. Not to mention, you know, we have a dedicated pickup entrance, but we also deliver where we are a pizza place. And so we deliver to about a five mile radius. Uh, we've got six drivers on our team and uh, we, we do quite a bit of delivery. At the old store, it was about 30% of our sales volume. And, and now that has gone way down because our volumes in other areas have just you know, skyrocketed. Right. But uh, we still do that. So all of that volume of people that maybe have never even stepped foot in our store started ordering from us again. So that was a learning opportunity. Yeah. And then we have all this pickup customers that probably never even come into our restaurant. And if they do, it's very rare. They just come in and always pick up. That now added to the fire. And then we have this dining room that's literally exploding on a wait list. That added to the fire. So very quickly, like all these very planned and methodically thought out nights, we're like, oh, Let's go back to that, you know, but no, we, we, we just had to, we had to roll with the punches and the first few weeks, man, myself and my managers, God love them. I mean, I don't know what I'd do without them. We were all pulling 80, 85 hour work weeks. Wow. Um, oh, like we would get in here at 8am, 7.30 sometimes, and we wouldn't leave until five, six in the morning. And I'd get home with enough time to shower and, and nap for about 35, 40 minutes before I'd have to get on the road and drive 30 minutes back to work. Um, and did that for the first several weeks. And we, we, we literally looked at each other and was like, we've got to do something. This is not sustainable that we cannot keep doing this. And I yeah. said, well, guys, we got to go back to last year. We have to start our systems over again because the moment we left our old store to the moment we opened up the new one, everything went out the door, everything that we'd done, the checklists were useless. All of our tenant systems we put into place, we were so fucking busy. We couldn't even think about doing those things. Right. Um, I mean, everything we were monitoring on a daily basis, it, it all went out the door. We were working lines. My one manager was working expo. I was helping the guy in the prep room. The GM was trying to put out fires in the dining room and train the servers that are all only five days, you know, old of working here, basically. Right, right. And so it was a very quick, how do we fix this? We have to do something. And to be honest with you, we're still doing that. We're still constantly evaluating, okay, what do we need to focus on this week? What do we need to do this week? And t- like trying to chew away at that elephant again of like rebuilding all this from scratch. Um, but uh, that's kind of how we, how we did it. You asked kind of how was it like moving in? And that's, that's what we did. So part of that was the, the swing and the miss on how busy you thought you'd be. I mean, you had already, you thought you'd double your sales, not quite do even more. Um, so you were short staffed. I can remember us talking and, and you were literally kind of like, after spending all this time, we first met, you were working ovens, you were driving, you were doing all these things to where you were working. Well, you got in the restaurant for manager meetings and walkthroughs, and you were working basically from home strategically on your business. You were working on be kind of helping the GC make sure the new project was getting there. And you had all the challenges that every new restaurant has from delay, 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 and cost increase. But you weathered all that, made it all the way through, and you were able to focus on that growth and, and look at all the strategic things you were doing, i.e. the the to-go station, the, the ice cream, the bar, like new things. But you undershot that in your brain, and all of a sudden, you were short-staffed. As you said, you and your managers were working line positions basically 80-plus hours a week. Talk about the moment you said, okay, I need to hire 
And but that initial process, you were you were bringing people in and talking to people one at a time. What did that? What was that like? And 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 when you looked at that, what was that light bulb that says I can't make it to where I can hire enough people doing it this way? Yeah. So at our old store, I mean, the hiring process started. We were doing it uh, about a month before we were opening up. And uh, we brought several of them in, which thank God we did it. it. It turned out to be so good. But we brought several of them in to train at the old location and just to get to know the point of sale and how to talk with customers because that stuff wasn't changing. Right. Um, so we started going through, we put out the post that we were hiring in our new location and some images of it and you know how we treat our customers, how we treat our employees like family and t- started talking about our story online. And the applications just started flooding in. I think we had close to 200 something applications um, to scavenge through at the old store to hire for the new store. So we scheduled, I'll never forget this day. We scheduled one day, um, I think it was 12 or 16, something in that range interviews. And uh, myself and one of my general manager were performing the interviews. And a 12 hour shift later, we got 12 interviews done. And it was like, Jesus, man, like, how are we going to do, how are we going to get through these 200 interviews? Like, there's no way we're going to comb through these people. You know, we've only got 12 done. And out of this 12, we really only want to hire two of them. How, how are we going to do this? And, you know, we started scratching our heads and I, I don't know. So I mentioned it on one of the calls, the group calls of, you know, us doing these interviews and they're like, why don't you do group interviews? And so it didn't really click. We, we kept doing the individual interviews. We did a couple more. Well, there was one day where we booked another 12 and it was another 12 hour shift. And out of that 12, I think we hired nine or 10 of them. And it was like, okay, that was, that was good. So we had six from this, we had the 10 from this day. And, you know, we did, I think one more of those individual interview days. And then we were staffed for the, for the new store. We're like, okay, we're good. Right. Well, then we started running, we were stuck on a line and it very quickly became clear to me like, okay, we've got to do something. We've got to go back to our systems. We've got to build our systems for our, our existing employees. And I told the managers, as I said, we can hire as many people as we want, but if we don't tell them how to do their job and we're, we're having to sit here, okay, I want you to do this next. I want you to do this next. I need you to clean this. Hey, when you clean this, do this a little better. Redo this for me. Do this, do this, do this. I mean, we were just constantly playing traffic director. Right. Like we were just pointing in all areas. And I, I told him, I said, we can't hire people and bring new people in and just keep doing this. This is not sustainable. So I threw one of them off the line. I said, you're working on Jolt. We're not doing anything until you get Jolt and our checklist done. And um, <clears throat> he got them to a point where I felt they were good enough to get people to start following them again. So we had our staff do that. And instantly it was that, uh, you know, I talk about like going back to the beginning of the program because like I got the relief from Joel at the old store, right. you know, when I had our, our bathroom checklist done, I, I literally gave it to a new hire and said, okay, clean the bathrooms. And it was spotless. I got that same gratis, you know, satisf- satisfaction at the new place of like, here, do this list. And then they did it right. And I was like, damn, the last two weeks we've been like having people, we've been wasting so much time staying here till almost midnight when we close at nine with a staff of like 12 people on hand. Like, what are we doing? And so getting that instant gratification, you know, we were really able then to bring additional people on. It was like, okay, now we've got to staff up more. And so that's, that was our next 
our next step. So I know we talked about it again, you were in this point in time about these group interviews and, and, and it really isn't my strength to be full disclosure. I talked about it because my daughter had gone through a concept called Dutch brothers growing here on the West coast, a little coffee kind of uh, drink thing, drive through. And they, they attract nothing but the best people. Uh, of course, my daughter was one of them, but per high personality, high customer service, want to kick ass and run and do all these things. But they did it in a group interview situation where they'd have 20, 30 people in a room and you'd go to the next interview, 20, 30 people in a room until you got into individual. And, you know, I, I sat there and I kind of threw that out at you and I didn't have a lot to back it up, but you had gone through that experience with Apple. How did that translate to say, I know how to do this because I had done it in the corporate world, not necessarily in the restaurant space. What was that aha like? And, and, and what did you draw from that experience? Yeah, well, when you recommended it to me, it was something I wasn't even thinking about. Um, we used to host them at Apple all the time. And actually when I got hired there, I was a part of one. Um, so what we would do is we would rent out a whole hotel. Like they would rent out the, typically like the, the Hilton garden Inn that was by the, uh, the store and they would invite a hundred, 150, sometimes 200 people to this group wow. interview. And I say the interviews, um, and Apple did the same thing, but to me, an interview is more so me selling myself and what we're offering here to the employee versus me trying to figure out in the beginning if they'll fit here or not. I want to see if they're getting excited about what we're talking about. I want to see if they are engaged in what we're talking about and how we treat our people. And do they, do they like the sound of that? Do they, is that something that attracts them or eh, not, not really. Um, so we spend a lot of, a lot of our interviews, uh, trying to, you know, let them know what we're like as employers, what they can expect, but also what our expectations are of them. And, you know, will, do they feel like they'll fit here? And so at Apple, that was that was one thing, um, you know, all these people would come into a room, they'd be greeted with a video, it would talk a little bit about, you know, where Apple came from, its history, what its mission is, you know, to create a, a great experience for their customers when they walk through the stores, but also what their technology does for, you know, humankind altogether. I mean, from the the deepest south of, of Africa to the, the, the you know, complete desert of Iran, people are using Apple products. And how does it, you know, impact their life from now having a connection to the outside world versus before there was nothing or to America where, you know, you can live in California and have grandchildren in, in New York and still be connected to them through, you know, FaceTime or messaging or whatever. And so they talked really a lot about their mission and, and what they're passionate about and, and, you know, where the company's going and why it's going there. And so I took a lot of that knowledge when I was um, going through that myself at Apple, it was a big thing to me. Like I was, I was in it. Like I was like glued to that screen. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, cause being a teenager at the time, I was only 16. Uh, they didn't hire till, till they were 18. They didn't learn that I wasn't 18 till the end of the interview when they offered me the job. And I put the wrong birth date on the application just to get it to go through. And they said, <laughs> they were like, you're only 16. I was like, yeah, they're like, well, we've never hired a 16 year old before. We're going to have to talk with HR to make sure this is like, okay. But right. like, we really want you on our team. Wow. And out of that entire group of 150 people, I was one out of two people that got hired. Wow. And uh, it's a very selective process. They actually, there's been articles done that the hiring process at Apple is harder than to get into Harvard. Um, but 
I was very engaged in the brand and I'm very, I was very engaged in the mission and their promise and what they, you know, their core values. And so I kind of have started holding our group interviews like that same way of selling myself to the employee, what I'm about, my core values in the company, how we treat our employees, how we treat our customers, how we're involved in the community um, and, and really talking about that. But, you know, the more so is what can they expect from us as an employer? What will I never, you know, screw them over on? What will I always promise them? Uh, but what also, also what I expect in return. And, and you know, I, I've been very blessed to say that I don't think I've ever had a bad hire come through my door. Wow. I don't think I've ever really hired somebody and said they truly are a bad fit. And um, while I've had some that, you know, yeah, maybe not the right position for him. I don't think I've ever hired somebody that I would say, oh, they're disrespectful to my customers or they're disrespectful to their coworkers or anything like that. And I know a lot of places have those kind of issues, but I feel like it's a part of really the, the selection process and how I hold interviews helps me determine if I think they're going to be a great fit in our company culture or not. So kind of the, you're looking for culture fit instead of asking necessarily the 8 million questions on, hey, was this person going to fit? You're saying if you can get excited about our core values, our dream, our mission, our vision for this business. If you can see yourself working for someone like myself and this kind of management team, you're going to kind of self-select yourself. You're going to kind of rise to the top and go, hey, raise my hand. I want to be a part of this. And you see that in, in, in the interview process. Am I reading that properly? Yeah, I can train them whatever I want them to do. If they're, if they're engaged and they care, I can train them whatever I need them to know. And so, you know, it's all about caring and being engaged in what they're doing. It's more like our, our slogan in, in our pickup area. If anybody looks up our restaurant on Google or whatever, you'll see a logo, a little graphic that's on the wall. Um, I had a, a brick wall that was whitewashed and I put this graphic on there and it says, it's more than just pizza. It's our legacy since 1979. And um, I believe in that. And, you know, I say that it's more than just, um, the pizza hitting the table, pizza brings people together. And when your hands appear from every direction to help themselves, that's what it's all about. And so, you know, I want to be a part of people's lives to create memories. You know, we say we're a part of the experience business. Right. Like we're here to sell people on an experience and um, get them to also get our customers to buy into that same mission. So our employees need to be engaged in that and like spread that messaging when they approach tables. You know, you always say that like, your customers can, or you can learn how your employees are feeling if a customer is to ask them, hey, what's it like to work here? And then they, right. they spit out all the bad. Right. You know, I, I'm really confident to say that I don't, I don't think that my employees would do that. You know, they're very, I feel like everybody that we have here now, especially, is very engaged in what we're doing. They're talking about all the little things like, oh my gosh, you know, we, are, you know, when we when they built this restaurant, you know, they took into consideration the old stores, this or that, and that's why this is here. That's why this is shaped like this. This is why this wood is selected. And like, we did a lot of that stuff in the beginning of touring people through the new store to get them excited about why we did this, why we built this building. It wasn't just to do more sales. I was making great fucking money at the old store. I told my employees right. this during the orientation. I was making great money. I don't. I didn't need to make more money is not why I built the store. Right. I wanted to be able to serve more people, but at the same time, I wanted my customer, my employees to have a very comfortable work environment and the volume that we were doing at our old store and the space that they were doing it in was unheard of. I mean, we were pushing out $3 million in revenue from an 800 square foot kitchen. Right. That's unheard of. 
Um, and so, you know, it would, that, that really is what it came from for me is I want my employees to be able to work in a comfortable space, um, where, you know, they grab something off a shelf and five things aren't going to fall on them. And, you know, you know, all of the things that like happen in this business. And so I wanted to provide them a nice space to work in. And so we explained that during the orientation. Um, and so, you know, I think it's important that your employees are engaged in your mission because like I said, you can teach them whatever you want them to know. Well, you came over with 40 employees, you added 26, you were grossly understaffed. Now you do this group interview process. What kind of numbers, what did you get from it? Like how many people came through and how many uh, people did you select? And of those, how many are you happy with? So we invited, I think, 40 something employees to uh, two different group interviews. So the way that I do it is I create a calendar link on Calendly. Yep. Um, that I select, you know, two different time slots on a day and then two different time slots on this day. And I send out a email. Well, I first call the applicant or the yep. managers do call the applicant, let them know, Hey, we're holding group interviews. We would love for you to attend looking at your application. We think you would, um, you know, make a good fit in our business with the experience that you have. We'd love to talk further about, you know, what we're offering here, what we're doing and, uh, to make sure that you are a right fit for us. And uh, so we'd love to invite you to this. We do that over the phone. If they don't answer, we'll leave a voicemail saying that. And we also let them know in that voicemail, hey, we're going to email you a link to sign up. If you'd like to sign up, feel free to. We'd love to have you. You know, we're holding on two different days. So we do that. Um, if we email them, they sign up, great. They attend. We have their information. We're ready to go with the group interview. If they answer, we sign them up. And uh, that Calendly link sends them an email uh, letting them know that, you know, hey, reminder, the interview is, you know, tomorrow. And then they get yep. one the day of, hey, in three hours. Um, and that, I, I don't, I actually don't think since we started doing that, that we've had a single person not show up for the interview. And that's wow. been a big thing at the old store when we were doing the individuals. We would just call and like, okay, does, does 12 o'clock work for you? And then, yeah, yeah, okay. And then sometimes they wouldn't show up. Right. You know, so having that system where either they sign up, obviously they were engaged enough to do it themselves, or if we sign them up, they now have the reminders that, you know, hey, you have an interview, you have an interview. Um, so we we did, uh, I think we invited 40 something uh, to the interviews on two different days. Yep. Um, we held those and we ended up hiring 18 or 19 more um, for the uh, second round of hiring that we did. So almost half. So you, I mean, we're in a day and age where people are talking about how difficult it is to find employees. And yet you were able to put 40 people in two different sessions and come up with 20 employees, 19. That is amazing. Now, what I want people to understand is that's because of all the other things you talked about in your orientation or interview process of your core values and staying true to your core values, taking care of your guests, taking care of your employees, truly being genuinely who you are, which makes you an employer of choice. Like that doesn't happen. If your restaurant sucks and you got bully managers and what have you, you know, you're not getting the 40 people to show up in the first place, but you are the, the employer of choice in your marketplace. And I think that that is a tribute to it. So as people listen to us, I, I don't want you to think that, oh, you can just throw up a, a group interview and it's, it's going to fill 20 people in each one like you've done. There was a lot of work behind that from creating a positive work environment to all the social media posts that you did talking about your past, your history, your vision for the future and the new place. Like it wasn't an accidental thing. It was a lot of things put in place. But with that said, 
That's incredible. So now you bring 19 people in, they're starry-eyed, they're ready to go, you're already kicking ass. How was that that orientation process of getting them into the fold that, and, and how quickly did you see relief? Because it's gonna take you a week to two weeks to get everybody trained and so on. So your managers and you are still burning the candle. What was that, what was that transition like? Yeah, so there's a couple of things that I wanna talk about um, and it, it'll lead to the transition. Um, one thing that's important to me during the interview is at the end of it, if, if we feel like that that applicant is a good person we wanna move forward on, uh, one question I always ask is, when would you be looking to start? And um, the answer to that oftentimes gives me a good understanding of the type of person that they are. Um, if they're currently, you know, they were telling me throughout the whole interview, they are currently working at this place or whatever, and they're like, oh, I can start tomorrow. Like, ah, yeah, you know, if they're not going to give a two-week notice over there, you know, do I think they're a the right fit? And oftentimes if they don't um, give a two-week notice or, and they're like, ah, and I ask, oh, are you currently employed at that employer? Yeah, yeah. Are you going to give a two-week notice? Ah, no, it's not necessary. Okay. You know, so that's kind of where I, I shy away from that applicant, even if they hit all the other check marks. I, that'll make right. me go right to no. Um, but uh, so, you know, on the on the onboarding process, um, you know, I think it's important to, to highlight that you say a lot of things go into this more than just holding a group interview. Um, I think it was about a year ago or so that I asked you about becoming an employer of choice and where's the first step? Where do I need to start? Where do I need to focus? And um, at the time, it was really about how do we treat our employees? How do they feel about coming to work? And I really couldn't confidently answer that question to say, eh, they might not enjoy their jobs or, eh, you know, eh, I don't know. I didn't really know where I, I stood in that. Right. And then I slowly started to build that you know, piggy bank of um, commitment, I would say, with my staff of really explaining our mission and where we're going with this. And then they really started to see that come to life. And so, you know, my, my staff that we had at the old store of 42 people really seen that come before their eyes because they seen all the growth that we had at the old store, especially my long-term team members. They've seen us double and then triple and then double that again and double that again. They've seen all that growth, and then they've seen the new store, me getting so excited about it, talking about, hey, I'm doing this. Hey, I want you to look at this drawing. Oh, my God, look at this. Look at this. And they've seen all these things start to come to life, and then they've seen the construction happen, and they were all getting really, really excited. And so, you know, I got my team engaged, and then I think the biggest part of this is, like, when I say that I had 200 applicants, it's not just because, you know, they're just flooding in from Indeed or whatever site you want to use. Right. No, we, uh, I think, hmm, I, I don't, I wouldn't want to say a hundred percent, but I'd be pretty confident in saying a hundred percent of our applicants came from our Facebook. Um, and that's not me just putting a post saying, Hey, we're now hiring. Right. That was me telling a story over months and months and months. Like you said, here's who we are. Here's what I'm passionate about. Here's what my future looks like. I can't wait to have our staff involved. Hey, you know, appreciation post for this employee, appreciation post for that employee. My staff did this tonight. I'm so proud of them. You know, those type of posts and like really lifting them up, um, not only in a social media presence, but also we're doing that in our four walls. And um, so, you know, that's part of it. And then, um, you know, as we talk about going on social media and sharing your story, you know, it's more than just putting stuff on social media and berating your customer with, hey, new special, new this, new this, new right. this. 
who are you? Who is the owner? You know, do they know you? Do they put your face two and two together when they come to pick up their pizza? Are you greeting people? How do they see you treating your staff when they walk in the door? All that stuff matters. And so, you know, you say the transition period when we decided to move them forward with, with onboarding, um, we have a pretty rigorous onboarding process. Um, and I got a lot of this from Apple. And so having very clear documentation of they when they get hired, they get sent a handbook. They have to sign the handbook. They have to initial the important pages next to the important policies. Yep. They get uh, the attendance policy. They have to read over. They have to sign it. They get um, a W-4 sent to them. They get a direct deposit form sent to them. They get signups to our payroll. They get signups to our scheduler. They get signups to our tip distribution software. All this stuff happens before they even walk in our door. And then we get in touch with them and let them know. We give them the rundown. So it's very clear expectations. Hey, your first day is this. You're scheduled this. You can see your schedule on this. Have you been able to see it? Do you have any questions? We can't wait to have you. You know, we're so excited to have you come in and train. You're going to be training with this person today. So when you walk in, check in with this manager first, and then they're going to put you with this person. And a very clear roadmap. Because when people walk into a door at a place to work, and it's unorganized, and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, what the fuck did I just sign up for? You know, and I'm like, do I actually want to work here? Yep. Yeah. And so then, you know, the next shift, they don't even come back. And then the employers are like, well, I don't understand. We can't hold people. We get them and they work for us for a day. Right. And not to say that we have not had that turnover. We have had a couple, I think, probably four applicants out of that 40-something that we've brought in that didn't work out. You know, they, they started and they said, hey, this is, really isn't right for me. It's, it's, the volume is crazy. I can't, you know, walk across the store that much, you know. Or, hey, you know, my other employer came at me with this offer and I'm now working Monday to Fridays and I'm making a lot more money. I just can't pass that up. Yeah, whatever it is. It's not to say that you won't have turnover, but it definitely drastically reduced it. At our old store, we had the same problem where people would not come in for the interviews. If we did get them hired, they probably didn't show up their first day. Or when they did show up for the first day, they didn't show up for the second. Or maybe a week later, they dropped out. And uh, it was not a very good experience on our end of, um, you know, the hiring process. And the employee probably wasn't a good experience on their end. And so I think um, putting all these into place have really helped us on on the hiring side. Um, You know, I think um, probably... 60% 60% of our team right now is brand new, less than two months of employment. And the fact that we're doing the volumes that we are, and we have employees who are happy coming into work, and we have employees who take care of our customers. Like I said earlier, there's one thing I never doubt, and that's that my employees are going to not take care of our customers. From our drivers on the road, to our servers, to our back-of-house employees talking to the customer through the takeout rack, to being in the parking lot, taking out the trash. They're not going to be like, hey, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go inside. You know, they're like, hey, are you open? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go over there, you enter in. You know what I mean? They're going to take care of them. Yeah. And I never worry about that. And I know a lot of other restaurant owners do. They, they, they don't feel like their staff takes care of their customers or that they're the only ones who do or that maybe the only their managers do or whatever the case may be. I really don't feel like that's a problem for me. 
it is it is a true testament to you and creating a positive work environment a great culture in your business and it, it starts right from the beginning of the story from how your grandparents got into the biz to your dad being the hospitality pro you know to a detriment but the fact of the matter is you know core values are so important and you want to take care of your community you want to take care of your employees and that shines but you're also smart enough to go i'm also supposed to make money at it and by putting that together your corporate experience with apple with uh, the systems we've put put together and you've put together before that you understand there's a system a process away and those systems are really what makes it easier to manage is the systems that make it that people feel appreciated because they're not worried about being yelled at all the time when they don't know what they're doing and being directed. They can feel confident they know what their job is, how to do it, how well it should be done, more important by when. They feel confident there's a supervisor type that has their back and is gonna support them. And all the way up the food chain to you by go going, this is truly who we are and you wanna be a part of this journey. You know, we're gonna stay authentically authentic to our core values and move it forward. And I pulled you on because I wanted people to understand, one, the group interview process and how successful that can be, but two, to understand that it is not going to work for everybody. If you did not build a positive work environment, if you do not stay true to your core values, it's just gonna be an exercise in futility. But if you did, if you've got the systems in place, you've got the management, you're, you're true, you, know, you tell your story, your why, and everybody buys in, then it can be a, a game changer at making sure you can staff properly in an instant versus one interview at a time, waiting for the no-shows and so on and so forth. Is there anything that I'm missing that, that in what I summarized or anything you wanna leave people with? I think it's perfect. Um, one last thing I do wanna leave people with is there's one thing that my dad taught me in this business and that is um, to treat your customers like family and treat your staff like family. And um, that was one thing that resonated with me. I, I'll never forget this. There was a car, car ride driving into town. And I asked him, I said, why do you do what you do every day? And he told me that. He said, because my customers are like my family. And um, my dad has always done that really well. He, he knows every person's name that's walking through the door. He knows their husband's name or, or their wife's name or their kids' names or where they live or what they always get. And a little bit about them. And um, I think through your systems of what you've taught me is that a lot of times I would find myself getting so frustrated at something that I haven't set clear expectations on. Yeah. I haven't clearly explained what I want, how I want it done. And so I kind of combined those two. That one thing that my dad told me of how to treat your customers, but explaining that to our employees and yep. getting them to buy into that same process. Whatever you're passionate about as an owner, whatever you feel like your staff isn't doing or what they could be doing better, have you clearly explained how to do it? Have you shown them how to do it? And have you coached them and ensured that they're doing that? Yep. So I think whatever you want to change in your business, if you just follow that simple structure, it can make a ton of positive change. And um, so, you know, I think I've, uh, I'm kind of a good blend between my dad and my grandparents and learning their lessons but also being somebody that is uh, always looking to change and grow and learn and to combine all of those things together um, to make a really substantial impact. Uh, I, I'd agree 100% with you. And, and what I love is, you know, you have a dream and you take action. Bottom line, you have a dream, you take action. You, 
you've really made a huge impact, not only from that business and your community, but for your family, for yourself. And I can't wait to see where your success takes you. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on a second time with me and sharing this with everybody because, you know, as soon as I saw the success you had with it, I'm like, we need to share this with the world. So I appreciate you very much. And I, I wish nothing but continued success for you, brother. Thank you. Hey, that was an awesome episode. I want to thank you for taking the time to take action on building a better, more prosperous restaurant. Before you go, I want to give you these three thoughts. One, by combining leadership and taking action with systems and training being checked by accountability, you are on your way to creating prosperity for you and your restaurant. Two, I have something I need from you. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. By leaving us a review, other restaurant pros seeking out this information are able to find it. I read the reviews and hearing how this information has benefited you does wonders for me. And three, if you find any of the discussions helpful, share them. The more restaurant pros who have access to them, the better we become as an industry. For more restaurant resources or to get in contact with me, connect with me at davidscottpeters.com. Be passionate about what you're doing. Be persistent, but more importantly, become better and help everyone around you become better. And your restaurant is going to kick some ass.